welcome to Land on the Range. This pod will tell you what's what about land ownership and building wealth. This is for the entrepreneurs, the legacy makers, and the families creating a path living their American dream. Subscribe and follow me for speaking engagements. You can book me with the link in the comment section on this podcast. Just remember, the one thing they won't build more of is land. Let's connect and stay educated. Our next episode will feature Craig Kaiser. He's the president and VP Geosciences of Landgate. He's the former owner and chairman of Kamara Kaiser Mining Company, a West African precious minerals mining organization. He is also a former executive of Alant Exploration, a PE-backed operator focused on oil and gas assets in DJ and Powder Ribbon Basin. Craig has worked for Andonco Petroleum, Newfield Exploration, Lion Mountain Mining Company, Sovereign Energy, and Brand X Wireline Services, serving in roles ranging from greenfield unconventional petroleum systems exploration, complex urban horizontal well development, and technical field supervision. A native to Colorado, Craig grew up in and around oil fields of western Colorado, which influenced his academic interest to pursue geology. He received a Bachelor's of Science in Geosciences from Cadron State College, where he also earned his NCAA football first-team all-conference honors. He learned later on his Master's in Petroleum Geology from Colorado School of Mines, where he mentored under Dr. Stephen Sonberg and Dr. John Curtis, while receiving a fellowship and scholarships from Devon, BP, and numerous other academic industries and organizations. His thesis, The Graneros Greenhorn Petroleum System, Greater Wattenberg Area, Denver Basin, Colorado, was later published and won Paper of the Year for 2014 in the Rocky Mountain Association for Geologists. Currently, he and his wife, Elizabeth, have been blessed with four beautiful girls. In this episode, I'm going to ask him three questions that listeners want to know about Landgate. What is the difference between residential, commercial, and solar installations, and what advantages would a landowner have by leasing their land for solar energy productions if they live in a high-value area? What does a solar energy deal look like from the landowner and real estate perspective? What do landowners need to know before they enter a solar energy contract? Stay tuned. It is time to get some deeper insights from our expert guest on this wonderful episode with Craig Kaiser. Thank you, Craig, so much for joining us today. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. I appreciate the opportunity to speak with you. Now, I saw your Landgate presentation at the recent RLI Land Conference, and it has stayed with me when I attended uh, the last week's county commissioner's planning meeting that I spoke to you about. The county is considering opening up some options for landowners to lease off their land in large acreage to some energy companies for long periods of time. And some of the public discussion that I wanted to bring up was concerns of that 
I think could be easily addressed. They talked about concerns around decommissioning the solar panels, the technology, how to stay up to date, and of course the housing shortage that a lot of folks are dealing with across the country. And I just had to get you on the show to answer some of these questions that my listeners wanted to know and share your experience uh, so that they can get to understand your world of the energy world. <laughs> sure, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, that, that is that is my background is, is energy and natural resources. So yeah, I'm more than happy to give as much insight from a, at least a landowner and a, a real estate type perspective as possible, because I think is the, as and what we're seeing now, as far as energy transition, things like that, the conversations and the interactions, the contracts, things like that with, with domestic energy production, that's heavily going to be interacting with real estate agents, especially on the land side and with landowners. So if you're a real estate agent out there and um, you may have dabbled a little bit with either oil and gas mineral rights or uh, maybe a solar lease or a wind lease, I would imagine that you're probably going to be uh, heavily inundated with a lot more of that over the next 10 or 15 years. And the folks that really grab onto that early, get those skill sets and an understanding of how those energy deals work are going to do quite well because it really does, it opens up another door. You know, a lot of real estate agents, you either get to work with a landowner when they're buying or selling a property. And, you know, I'm, I'm a landowner. When I buy a property, I don't, I don't plan on selling it. Right. But I still want to make cash flow on it. It kind of allows this energy transition is going to allow a lot of real estate agents to go back and open their doors to folks that aren't wanting to buy or sell, but they're wanting to get cash flow from their property. And those are skills that real estate agents are going to need to have in their tool belt moving forward. Yeah. And these conversations are happening right now in cities and counties. They're understanding the potential. And the first question that uh, one of the listeners uh, wanted to know is, what is the difference between residential and commercial solar installations? What are the advantages that a landowner would have by leasing their land for a solar energy production if they live in a high value area? Yeah, I think it's, uh, you know, everyone's seen on TV or radio, the, the solar panel advertisements out there of, you know, we'll Go ahead and put solar panels on your home, on the roof, and it'll cut your electricity bills. In a lot of those situations, you actually get to participate in owning part of those panels. Um, so you became you become almost what's called a working interest partner. So you're kind of partnered with the solar company in paying for the capital expenses and ownership of those panels. And they're essentially leasing your roof to put those solar panels on there. And those panels are going to generate electricity. You're going to get the benefit of that. And you'll be selling whatever extra power you have to the grid. So that's the residential side. On the commercial side, you're looking at it strictly from a what would be considered kind of a royalty or a rent purpose, right? The capital expenses are far greater on the commercial side. You're talking about a, a much higher amount of capital that's going to be required to get that installation put in place. And that's typically something that a landowner doesn't have the uh, financial ability to participate in. And in, in my personal opinion, you probably don't want to because uh, if something goes wrong on there, you are on the hook for a, a lot of money. But, you know, obviously, you know, there's a big difference in the amount of energy that's created. Residential, very small amount of power. Commercial, you're looking at a much larger installation 
and like I said, you're looking at it strictly from a rent perspective. You're going to let the operator or developer come in and a delineated area based on the lease, they're going to build panels on there and you're going to get paid per acre per year for whatever they develop on whatever they deem to be buildable there. A lot, you know, that's kind of a, a conundrum there. So if you live in a high value area, let's say you have, you know, 500 acres in a, you know, Hill Country, Texas, which is a very, very beautiful place, high land values. Uh, I think you just need to look at it in way what other, you know, what, what's, what is the purpose of, of that property, right? What are you trying to get out of that property? Is that a, is that a retreat? Is that a hunting property? And if you're looking at a hunting property, are you doing it? Are you leasing it out for hunting for cash flow purposes? And if that's the case, you probably need to start measuring what are all of the different, you know, levels of cash flow that this property could make for me. So you'd look at it. Okay. Well, here's my land value per acre. What am I going to, what can I possibly make per acre on that on a dollar per acre per year? Some of those, sol- some of the solar leases we're seeing across the country, depending on where you're at with whether you're in the New England area or Southern California, or you're in the Rockies or Gulf Coast or Texas, the values can, can change quite a bit based on the renewable energy credits. In a lot of cases, what landowners are seeing is that if you can get a solar or even a wind lease to where they're actually building and encumbering the surface, the rent payments on a per acre per year basis are, are, are quite significant. They're much higher than what you'd see from an agricultural basis, from a hunting or leasing or, or hunting uh, or fishing basis. So it can be quite lucrative. But the reason why you're getting that is because you're no longer able to really use that for the term of that lease, which can be anywhere from 25, 35, sometimes there's options at the end of that of, you know, it's a 25 year lease and a, a you know, two 10 year option. So, I mean, it can basically encumber the property for 50, 60 years. Um, now you're being compensated for that quite heavily because you're going to get paid a lot, but it's just, you know, I, I think that's a balance between what the landowner's really trying to do with their property, right? What kind of, what, what, how do they view this property is it a is it a is it a money maker for them? Is it their you know retirement retreat and they want to be in serenity and they don't want anything around them? Those two landowners are going to have completely different you know decision making processes there. But yeah, I guess just to get back you know if you're in a high value area, I think people will be surprised if they can get to a development stage on a on a solar wind lease. And when I mean development stage, meaning the the land's being encumbered. Even though the land, the, just the, the real estate value of the land might be six, seven, eight, you know, $10,000 per acre, just the land, you know, if you're making a thousand or $1,500 per acre per year, and you're potentially could be making that for the next 25, 35 or 45 years, there's a lot of things to balance there, but that's, you know, that's each individual, what they want to do with their property. Thank you so much for bringing and clarifying that. The, the discussion seems to be a conflict between what the county has plans for the land use and it's our acreage is about 30 to 50,000 per acre. So I could see from their point of view, the housing shortage, they would love to be able to have that land available for multifamily or single family lots or luxury condos so that 
that more people can move into the metro area. Then I could see the other side of some landowners not wanting to sell their land and wanting to hang on to it, but not being able to realize the money and the value that their land is worth right now unless they lease it out. I think there's also discussions to have at the state level because Kansas is unique in that it doesn't have its own hub, this energy source hub. So wouldn't it be great to have something in the middle of Kansas that can have transmission lines to the corners but having some, you know, big energy hub with battery power, you you run into some issues around that in the the heart of a very high valued area. Uh, is just having some great conversations at the county level to understand the difference between what landowners want right now and what the county wants. Yeah, I I, I 100% agree, and I mean what what's mostly going to be driving any kind of renewable energy development, at least on the solar side for the next five to 10 years is gonna be what infrastructure we currently have in place, right? Just so you mentioned there's in, in, in Kansas, for instance, is building out transmission lines. I mean, that's, that's capital, have very capital intensive. Right. And those capital costs are just, just simply passed down to the um, similar as renewable energy credits. Those are just simply passed down to the consumers. So right. that's for you and me and everyone else listening to decide of, you know, how much money do we wanna spend on this? And then to your point of, you know, if you're in an area where just the real estate value is thirty to forty thousand dollars per acre, you just have to look at it on on what is your return on that. It's going to be a very, I think it'd be a very difficult economic argument for an energy or developer, or energy company or developer to come in and justify paying thirty or forty thousand dollars an acre to get a long-term investment over fifty-five years. You know, that's right. when you when you factor in the discount rates and things like that. It, that that doesn't make any sense. So yeah. there's going to be places where taking up large swaths of land for solar panels, it's going to make sense. And then there's going to be places where it doesn't make sense from an economic perspective. Mm-hmm. If you're looking at real estate values, forty thousand dollars an acre. There's likely much better ways of getting cash flow from that property than putting solar panels on it. And that, that's just a personal opinion. That's going to be case by case across the country. Um, but that's also something that people are and landowners and real estate agents are going to have to understand is, right. you know, renewable energy is it's no different than any other industrial process where some people are going to see the economic benefit from, let's say, Let's say I own a section nearby an area where there's high value down in Texas and I'm not making much money on it. I don't live there. I'm satellite landowner in in Chicago or New York or somewhere. And I own this 640 acres. Well, I don't care if there's 640 acres of solar panels there because I don't have to look at it. Right now, the people nearby, they might have a completely different opinion on it. And this is like I said, this is no different than any other industrial process, whether it's a refinery, whether it's an oil and gas location, whether it's a wind turbine, that's going to have to be a balance. And that's going to have to take place at, you know, your, your county levels and your state, state levels, regulatory departments of what will they allow as far as what they want to be built in their counties. So, and like we, you know, we do, we do business for uh, across the country for both buyers and sellers of energy, and natural resources. So we, we see a lot of different issues on a daily basis, but that. That's going to be a big one that really hasn't came up a whole lot at this point, but not everybody likes looking at solar panels a lot. Of, <laughs> so that, that's going to be an issue, right? Because their, their contract, they're looking for minimum of a thousand acres. And so there's just this enormous amount of land that 
the argument was that landlocks the community uh, so that for 40 years, and what about technology changes and the updates with that? You have, you know, from 40 years ago, what the cell phone was then to what it is now. Yeah. And so there's, I think, some real legitimate discussions to be had and to really bring this kind of project to the state level where there's a lot more funding options, a lot more opportunities in the rural area where Western Kansas is dying off. Well, that is exactly where I think the solar energy and oil and gas and everything should go because you don't need a hospital out there. You don't need facilities and services that the same way that a community in a metro does where you have lots of expansion, expansive land for a thousand an acre. So mm -hmm. I think... I appreciate you just kind of flushing this out and, and just think, kind of thinking through some of the same thoughts and discussions that we've had at the local level. And same, we do have a landowner who is interested in getting into uh, a lease with a solar energy company. And how does the solar deal look like from the land's owner side and the real estate perspective side? Yeah, so that, that, that's a good question. And from the landowner side, you know, we touched on it a little bit earlier, the, it, from the position of a landowner, let's say the landowner, going back to our previous example, has 500 acres somewhere, how that's going to look is a developer or an energy company is going to look at the 500 acres that this person's interested in getting a solar lease, and they're going to look at, okay, what is developable? What is developable acres on, on, on that property? What's buildable? Where is there no flood zones? Where is there no topography or slope issues? Uh, where is there no dwellings? And then they'll put setbacks off of those dwellings and flood zones and things like that. So what, what can they actually use on the property? So um, they'll go through and determine that. And then once they have an understanding of what they can actually, what they can actually build on, uh, they'll likely present some sort of offer where they'll say, okay, here, we're going to give you $500 per acre per year for a solar lease. Now that's a big number, right? If you got, you know, let's say you had 500 acres to start with and they whittled, whittled it down to 300 acres, you're going to sure. pay $500 per acre per year over 55 years. That's a really big number. Where do I sign? Yeah. Like, you, give, give me the, give me the pen. The big catch with that is that is the number uh, that you're going to get paid if they start constructing and encumbering that surface, okay? Pri prior to that, there's a different section in that lease, which we kind of, we, we determine, we basically call the option phase, where they're going to go ahead and put that property under contract saying that they have the right to capture solar energy from whatever's outlined in that lease. Now, during that time, they're going to be putting all of their regulatory things in order they're going to be getting trying to get permits they're going to try to get their purchase power agreements in place they're going to try to get interconnection fees in place they're going to try to get everything ready to go so that they can actually start building and selling energy or building solar panels and uh, selling energy on that property depending on where you're at in the country and what is going on with the infrastructure that process can take anywhere from a year to five years so you're not you're you're going to be under contract for up to five years and you're not getting paid that $500 an acre. You're going to get paid a small fraction of that because there's really nothing going on on your property during that time. You can still run cattle on it. You can still hunt on it. You can still do everything you're mm -hmm. doing because mm -hmm. they're not really doing anything on the property. The day that construction starts on it, that's when you enter the actual lease phase where you're getting that big number. Um, and that's an option. They don't have to go through with that, right? They can, because that, that'll be written in the lease that 
if we can get a purchase power agreement in place, if we can get an interconnection, if we can do this, and if we can do this, and if we can get our permits. So it's kind of a, an in limbo stage for the landowner, right? You're going to have a, your landowner under contract. Um, you're still going to get paid. It's not going to be the $500 an acre, but you're still going to be getting paid so that because you're, you're basically can't do any other deals with <laughs> to, to put your land under a long-term contract because it is under long-term contract. So you are going to be getting compensated and getting paid, but it is going to be a small fraction of what is initially being offered with that, that lease. So that's something that's important for landowners to know. Don't always get, and for real estate agents as well, don't always get blown away with doing the really easy, simple math of $500 per acre a year, 300 acres, 55 years. Boy, I'm a multimillionaire. It's not, there, there's more to those leases and, and it's, as, you know, solar energy is no different. And I think you raised an interesting question before or interesting point before this question of, mm-hmm. you know, where is it most ideal for solar energy and, you know, where's development like should likely take place on a large scale across the country. And it raises a good point that, you know, solar energy is still, these are, these are still energy companies you're dealing with. These are still for-profit companies and they're going to do the very best deals for them that they can get. If a landowner out there or real estate agent thinks that, okay, well, we've got two offers in front of us. One's for a hundred dollars an acre a year. The other one's for $150 an acre a year. We got two offers in front of us. This is competitive. Let's take the 150. And what they may not know is those offers are coming from the same company under two different letterheads. There's there's a lot of things. You know, it's 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 highly competitive, right? It's very very competitive. It's going to get even more competitive in the renewable space because of the capital that's flowing in in into those industries. Um, when it comes to making good educated decisions, what's best for the landowner, what's for the real estate agents, what's best for you and your clients, the more information you have at your disposal, the better. I mean, that's, that is the name of the game, you know, understanding what's there, what it's worth, you know, within a, within a a margin of error, what is this stuff worth? And are we actually getting a good deal? Up until, you know, up until what we start, what we do up until a few years ago, once we started getting into solar and wind, up until we came, no, no one knew. I mean, we, we, I'm, I'm on the phone every day with real estate agents. Hey, I've got a client. They're thinking about doing the solar deal. You know, they're throwing these numbers at us. We have no clue if this is fair or not. And that's what I mean. We're the, we're, we're just basically a resource. That, that is, that's we're, we are the experts, natural, natural resource and energy experts for folks out there who don't have access to that information. And that's not their profession. Right. I'm not a, I'm not a real estate agent at all. <laughs> if I'm going to go buy a property down in Texas, I'm going to call you. Now, if I'm buying mineral rights, I'm just going to consult myself or if I'm doing an energy deal, I'll consult myself. But, you know, we, we stay in our lane and that's what we do really, really well is is energy and natural resources. And like I said earlier in the call, that is going to be that's going to continue to play a far, far uh, more crucial role than it has in the real estate industry, because that's where all the resources come from. That's where everything comes from is, is, is real estate. It comes from the land. Um, so yeah, just to wrap up that question, I guess, you know, that's, that's essentially what a solar deal is going to look like for, for a landowner there. And then um, real estate agents, you know, that's whatever kind of uh, contract or things you guys have with that landowner. I mean, typically what we've seen with a lot of the partners we work with in the real estate industry, those are very similar to commercial real estate um, agreements where, 
you know, if there's renewals, there's lease renewals, things like that, that that's how the, the real estate agents compensated. But as far as understanding what's in the leases, it's applicable to, to both landowner and real estate agents. Yeah. And I, you kind of touched on my final question of, of what do landowners need to know before they enter a solar uh, energy contract? And in, in that same vein, I want to understand, you know, how can people use LandGate? How can landowners and real estate agents be able to understand the applications of it? You said making some phone calls and, and getting some resources. So I think, you know, that's something that I think people can really help to understand if you can talk a little bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. So we just, and we're very excited about this. We're getting some great feedback from landowners and real estate agents, but we just, a couple months ago, we rolled out where, you know, we're energy guys. We, how we calculate values of solar values, oil and gas values, things like that. It's the exact same way that BP Energy, that Exxon Mobil, that eight minute energy, solar energy, it's the exact same types of valuations and calculations they do. What we're excited about is we've done that for every single parcel across the United States. So if there's a landowner out there who's potentially interested in maybe leasing their land for solar or they have mineral rights and they're wanting to sell their mineral rights, but they have no idea where to start, what it's worth. They can go to our map, they can find their parcel and they can claim the ownership. And when they do that, we actually provide them the, the net present value, the cash flow based value of all of those different segments of natural resources on their property. Now that's completely separate of the real estate value. We, we, don't, we don't do anything, we're not real estate agents. We simply break down what the potential value for a solar lease, if you were to sell your property, what the incremental value of solar, potential solar is on, on that parcel, what the mineral rights are worth. And that's what we provide. And that's at no cost. All you have to do is just go and find your parcel and claim the ownership and you can find out what that's worth. On the real estate side, uh, what we've allowed and landowners can do this too, but real estate agents are far more savvy with what goes into listings, things like that. We allow real estate agents or land and really anyone to list their own uh, assets or interests to try to get it out in front of as many because on the energy side, buyers are very specialized, right? In real estate, your buyers and sellers are the same people. Your buyers and lessees on the energy side, they're energy companies, right? And they don't go to real estate websites. So we've created a marketplace where energy companies across the world come to look for landowners and assets where people are raising their hand, trying to get a lease or trying to sell their mineral rights or doing and putting it into a competitive marketplace we allow real estate agents and landowners to list their property at no charge. They can handle everything themselves. There's no commissions. There's no service fees. They can do that completely themselves. They can create their own virtual data rooms. They can put their own contact information. Buyers directly contact them. So that's a service. But then we also offer a more in-depth uh, service where a lot of very large brokers across the country have signed up to basically hire us as their experts. So when they have, let's say, for instance, you've got a client that has 500 acres and they're getting offers and well, you're, you're not really mm -hmm. too sure, right? You can look up what the value's worth on our website, but you still need more resources. You'd like to get it into a competitive environment. We have a subscription mm -hmm. service where we basically work for you and your client. We help you advise you as best we can. We help you fully understand what the value is there, what kind of infrastructures there from a, a energy side, what's going on from an oil and gas side, subsurface side. We help you with listings. We basically 
we, we are basically in your back pocket. We help talk with, we help get you more clients and we help your clients get more money. So kind of a couple different ways that real estate agents and landowners can work with what we've done, depending on how much work they want to put into it mm -hmm. and how much work they want us to put into it. So um, that's kind of what we do in a nutshell there. Yeah. Well, and I can also see government officials and counties being able to really utilize this as well. So I am an elected official and I work on a county uh, board as well. And so there's, there's things that you depend on the staff to have the right and accurate information, but you don't always have control over your service providers and who they are. And some of that, you know, requests for bids and requests for proposals. So it's, it's interesting when I, I want to speak to the county commissioners about the issue that's going on in our local area. And I want to make sure and ask them, you know, are they consulting Landgate? Are they consulting the people in the air in the industry who know the value of mineral rights so that they're the landowners aren't just receiving these leases and signing away, you know, years and decades and not really understanding what they're signing. So I appreciate this so much, uh, Craig, for all your information and expertise and, and so grateful for Landgate and the opportunities that landowners can go directly to the source and understand their own research. Many are savvy. They understand. They want to get the best value and they want to create a legacy for their family and their children. And just being able to provide them with that data and information for free is such a great service to anybody in this um, industry, but also any landowner, but also the extension to real estate agents to provide them, make sure that they are giving the best mm -hmm. service they can and the knowledge that they can. Thank you so much, Craig, for this uh, wonderful interview and being our featured guest. I know that many of our listeners will be very pleased with the information that you shared today. Absolutely. Well, I, once again, thank you so much for the platform letting us get out there. I mean, uh, very few folks have heard of us, especially in the real estate industry. We're trying to change that. So we appreciate you giving us a, a voice here. Very open and public. We try to get as much information and data out there as we can. And that's the industries for both uh, oil and gas, renewable, wind, uh, natural resources in general. It's set up purposely so that there's very little data and information on value for the people who own the commodity, for the landowners and the people who represent them, the real estate agents. We're trying to change that and we're trying to balance out that, that playing field a little bit. And just in and, and that way, it brings more deals to the market. So it benefits both buyers and sellers. If someone is comfortable knowing what their value is and understanding this is what I should expect from from an interaction with an energy company, they're far more willing to do a deal with them versus sitting back and say, well, I'm, I don't know what's going on here. I'd rather do nothing than feel like I'm getting taken advantage of. And that's where we really feel like we are filling that void and bringing a lot of really, really good deals to the market for folks because, because these folks now understand and they're confident, here's what I should be getting. And I'm willing to do a deal with, with an energy company now. So this, in my opinion, you know, our company should have started about 20, 30 years ago, but we're, we're, we're stepping on the throttle as hard as we can and getting out there as best we can. So thanks again for, for the time and really, really appreciate it. Love this episode of Land on the Range podcast? Subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Join me next week for another episode. Thank you so much for listening.